Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of Triple Feature, in which I get a friend and guest on to talk about movies, a uh, triple bill, a triple feature of movies that uh, they've planned, and they can talk about why they've picked those three films, what the theme means to them, and what individual films mean to them. This week, I have got Fiona, who has come on to talk about movies with me. Fiona, say hello and tell our lovely listeners who and where you're from. Um, Hello, my name is Fiona and I am from London. I run and I'm the main host for What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Every month I take through like a group of my friends and we try out a new system or a new sort of RPG game and just introduce people to a world that's not necessarily dominated by Dungeons and Dragons. Fair enough. How long have you been doing the show? I've been doing the podcast since February 2018. And recently I've been you know, sort of collaborating with other podcasts. So I've done some uh, film studies. I'm obviously doing this uh, podcast with you for, the, for Triple Film. I've mm-hmm. done uh, some pod, uh, podcast panels with a, a sort of charity organization called No More Damsels, which is about uh, who want to increase representation in sort of the RPG and wargaming community for sort of more women, non-binary, LGBT, and people of colour as well. So, obviously, you run an RPG podcast. How do you suppose, A, how did you get into doing it as a podcast, and B, how did you get into the general RPG world? Uh, Well, I'll start with the second part of that question. So, the RPG world, like... I think as most people in RPGs sort of discovered, like I, I always was like a theatre kid, always into drama. And then I was told very quickly at sort of like, you know, 13, 14, like, no, you can't take drama as a GCSE. No, you can't take uh, theatre studies, et cetera. And I obviously gutted. And I think as well, like I always loved films. I always loved going to the theatre, but I, I just never knew about like role-playing games until literally in the last five years, I, you know, I went to university, I came out, got a job. I did other crazy things like play Quidditch for a bit. So you're like, oh, what? You know, so I was already sort of a, a nerd or a geek in that respect. And then I went to um, a friend of mine and they'd already had a few sessions of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, would you like to play? And of course I said, oh, of course I'll, I'll come up. And then I turned up very late and I knew like the bare basics that, you know, I'd seen it in films i'd seen it on like you know like big bang theory and all that sort of rubbish you know versions of it and mm. I, you know everyone always starts off with that story that like, oh what was my first character and i remember turning up quite drunk and giving the last character now uh, the context is that i'm a very tall white short-haired uh, blonde lady i'm a bit like if you imagine gwendolyn christie's a uh, body double that's me less famous as it were so they thought it would be absolutely hilarious if they gave me a halfling paladin and i was like okay no that's fine i don't know what that is and then they were like okay we're going to introduce you to the group um what is your name and i like you know it's that moment where you have to improvise something so i just like my name my name is susan (laughs) And, and they're like great so you're a paladin what is what is your god and i was like well it is just Susan. And I, and then everyone introduced themselves as like, oh, you know, various mm. fantasy names. And because I was at that point of a drunk where you can't remember anything, I was like, I am going to call you 
lesser Susan. <laughs> I will call you lesser Susan. And that was the whole game for like six months. Cause I just, I just couldn't keep in my head all these different names and stuff. And I, you know, it was a pompous, pompous paladin character. And I loved it. I loved being this different person. And to this day, I still feel like, cause it was, we played um, lost minds of Fand- mm. Fandelva, I think it's called. And at the end, I don't know the, the cave, uh, caved in or something like that and susan was apparently lost in the cave and i was like no no she definitely escaped susan you know she the lesser susans sod them but susan got out for sure and as a result that sort of idea of story story so so that idea of sort of storytelling just really just gave me so many ideas i enjoyed just being that sort of that, mm. that element of that arc of being very silly about something and then trying it for myself because it got to the point which led on to the podcast was that I started buying the books, I started reading them, but then there was never anyone who was interested to play. And then, of course, people were like, oh, have you heard of Powered by the Apocalypse uh, games? Have you heard of games like um, Honey Heist or Dread? And mm. and I started like reading these. I was like, these are great games. They're different. They're not fantasy. There's sci-fi. There's horror. There's film noir. And there's like one-off really silliness. And nobody wanted to play them. And it got to the point where I kind of looked at my bookshelf and I was like, I am never going to play these games unless I force people to do it and create my own organized fun. Yeah, that's what I do. And yeah, exactly. And then I went to um it was interesting because it was it was one of those sort of things at work where they were like we need you to go on some skills and improve yourself and I was like because I work as a content creator for work and I mostly specialize in videos so like doing welcome videos or doing um introduction videos to like a course. And I was like, well, audio is really important because, you know, the amount of times you, how many people actually watch a video nowadays? How many people go onto YouTube and then just listen to the music or listen to the commentary of a mm. game someone's being played? Unless it's something that you're really engaged with, it's unlikely you're going to do You're going to, I think, what's it? The attention span of someone now is like four minutes or something ridiculous like that. Whereas audio, you're going to put that on your in your car. Mm. Like the, the rise of podcasts in the last 10 years have, have gone up like almost, I think, was it 2,000%? Which Easily, is like yeah. mind-boggling. And it's like you said, it's your car, your commute, cooking, uh, doing household chores. You, and it could be on any subject, and it doesn't have to be good. So I was like, great. So I went to do this skills course. Uh, it was like a one-day workshop thing. And at the end of it, it's like the person was like, does it matter what your idea is? In the next two weeks, go and do it. And so I was on my way home and I was like, how can I combine my love of RPGs and, and this thing? And obviously then I had a quick look, as everyone does, you look for um, what's really popular in like RPGs. And obviously the world is inundated with RPG mm. uh, D&D podcasts. And I had listened to a couple of them and you know, they're hundreds of episodes long. They're long, they're not edited. And for me, again, and I say this, obviously I, I am a white middle-class woman, but a lot of them are white middle-class men yep and it's there's a lot of men in there i have this really cool uh, interesting idea for a, a, a character but it's male or it's a very stereotypical uh rogue or it's a stereotypical fighter and i'm just like mm, okay I, I i get it but i was like you know what? i'm bored with backstory because we i by the time you've had that hour creation episode um i'm already I don't love your character. I don't love it. It's just because mm. I know my characters are better, which maybe is a bit egotistical, but I'm just like, ah, I'm just going to do this. So I was like, okay, what about then? You just do one shots and it's just characters who, which are very flimsy, sort of like 2D, or it is yourself. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. And then every episode, it can be uh, like oh, two parts. 
and that can be released uh, every month. And then that's sort of what, how it grew from there. So I started just re- going to my friend's house and going, hey, I'm going to play this game with you and, and then you're going to drink and we're going to play and we'll do it. And that's how Honey Heist, our first episode, came about. I got my fiance and then my two friends who I play D&D with and I went, okay, you're going to be the free bears and you're going to have to go get uh, Goldilocks has stolen your honey. What are you going to do? And they're like, wait, why are we the free bears? Who's baby bears? Like, you've got to decide that now. <laughs> We're recording. And <laughs> it just changed everything because then suddenly they're like, oh, we don't have to think about it. We're just going to do X, Y, Z and go. And that's mm. kind of it, really. I've just gone. And the other thing I sort of do with my podcast is that I try and aim it at people who are new to RPGs who might not be interested in fantasy. A lot of the time, D&D is like the best introduction to it. and I. I, I'm one of those people. I got introduced to RPGs through D&D. But what if you're not into high fantasy? What if you're not into these, like, into mm. long campaigns, but you really like sci-fi or you're really into, like, horror or anything like that? You shouldn't be barred from, like, trying out an RPG. So, for instance, we didn't record it, but we did a, a game of Dread with one of my uh, D&D players, him and his new girlfriend. She'd never played an RPG before, and she was so invested by the end, she was like, this can't end. You can't finish the one shot here. And I was like, I did the whole thing where you shut the book. And like, I'm so sorry. That's the end of it. She's like, no. And that's and that's my favorite <laughs> part of every sort of one shot. It's a bit off the off the recording where I I stop it and they go, can I take the sheet away with me? Can I take a copy of the rules? I want to run it for my friends. And that that's for me is like mm-hmm. the best part of it is that people listen and go, that was silly. I'm going to do it better. Or I'm going to. That was so much fun. I want to have a go myself. So yeah, that's sort of everything in a nutshell. You're right. I mean, I, D&D was my way into RPGs as well. I think for a lot of people it is because it's so mm-hmm. ubiquitous and it's kind of everywhere. And, but I think, I, I, I agree with you. Like I love D&D. I love the crunch of D&D. I love mm-hmm. all the options, but sometimes you just want to sit down with like a one page mm-hmm. RPG and just spin it out. Definitely. And I, I, I definitely sort of appreciate that kind of vibe of like, you haven't got to have a, like a thousand page backstory and it is i mean i've been playing D for 20 years now wow. terrifyingly. <laughs> um yeah um and i my current group i play with are they're much i'm the only one who's been there for mm-hmm. more than like a year and it's interesting to see they are all rolling up everyone's first D characters where it's really gothic terrible stories of pain and abandonment Oh yeah, dark edge lord. Exactly, and uh, my my character has comes from a, a loving, wholesome family um, yes. who love him dearly and support him in everything he does. And it's <laughs> so delightful to sort of see the interplay. Of it. I'm really dark. I'm like, well, Kenneth is lovely, and he's very happy to see you. <laughs> I think, I think well, there's, there's certainly space for that because I think you're right. So much of the and even the podcast D and D scene can be the same thing over and over again so yeah i completely agree like i i assume you do watch critical role on and off yes a little bit. so i don't know if you've watched the the latest sort of one shot the terrian uh, derrigan brigade i haven't i've seen the first 20 minutes or so that's it fine well that's fine so you know the character uh that marisha plays then. yes so that whole sort of bard like i am a, a person from the 1940s uh, you know and that sort of mm. bard inspiration i I absolutely love that as an idea. Like it's that different sort of way of um, twisting a traditional sort of like um, uh, a musician type thing into mm. another thing. And I love that sort of thing. A game designer called, uh, I think it was Doug Lewandowski who told me about this, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure if it's his game whereby he was running it. No, it, he was running a game 
And, you know, it was like, okay, if you having a, a, a sort of um, edge laws sort of dark, mysterious backstory, you get two of these skills or two, two of a, if you have a positive backstory mm. or have, you know, nothing sort of bad to you, you get three instead. So you are rewarded mm. for having a more positive, like connections to people. And it was more because you could do so much more with positive connections. Cause obviously if you're an orphan has no parents, no connections, no nothing, you have nothing to lose. No. Whereas if you have your father, uh, your, your your parent is the local doctor and you have three brothers and sisters. It's like, well, instantly, those are people you could lose. Those yes. are people that suddenly could be under threat or could be used in some way to create avenues of opportunity. And I was like, well, of course, that makes so much more sense because RPG video games make us feel like, oh, you're an orphan, so this is all you and you feel like you are connected to the character. But then you know, it's just, it's, that's all focused on your decisions, whereas RPGs in a more tabletop sense are more... Uh, collaborative and you work with other people it's not mm. necessarily about your backstory it's about working your backstories together the thing is what one, one of the things i really love about rpgs in general opposed to other sort of board games and war games and stuff it's the idea that you win the best by everybody winning mm-hmm. like if, if i can do something like to build a story and they have a good time that's that's equally great for me whereas mm-hmm. having done things like the warhammers over the years and the magic all that sort of stuff they're much more combative. Yes. And I really like the fact that the collaborative nature of of storytelling and of RPGs. So I've got one question. Your show is sort of one shots. You're moving to different systems. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite system you've covered and why? Ooh, oh, oh, this is where I have to look at my phone and have a quick look at what I've done. <laughs> um, I've done so many. It's in- so is this, is this interesting? Because obviously... Uh, you'd think like oh it's with maybe lots of people the chaotic nature so we the one that's come out recently is crash pandas which is a mm-hmm. a one-page one-shot done by grant howitt which is essentially uh you are all raccoons and you are driving the same car over obstacles and that that was fun in a sense because it we had six players playing that and i'd based it off the grand tour track and none of the players had ever seen like Top Gear per se, or hadn't didn't mm. get all the things. And there was like, oh, who is the mysterious Gambon? You know, all that sort of like references. And they, they had no clue. And that that was quite fun. But interestingly, I think some of my favorite ones have been either one player or two player. Mm-hmm. So one player one that I'm playing just now, actually this um, in this December 2019, if you want to date this. Um, is a game called The Wishing Sigil. And I kickstarted it. So the person I mentioned before, uh, Doug Lewandowski, he's done games like In Name Only, uh, Kids on Bikes. And The Wishing Sigil, he's done with, oh, I have to think of her name. I'll, I'll put it in the chat probably so you've got it for reference. But essentially, it is a RPG advent journaling game. And you okay. are, it's set in the 18, it's set in 1823. And you are an orphan or a person who's been sent to a Edwardian workhouse. And every day you get prompts to say, like, how is life in the workhouse? Uh, spoilers, it's not great. Um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. But then what happens is that every night you get visited by something. You don't entirely know what it is. And it asks you to draw these sigils. And it's a bit like, uh, you know, like in role-playing uh, video games where you have to make a choice it's like do you go down the right path or the left path etc mm. in this game it asks you at the end of every day so far 
what are your desires? And then you have to draw sort of the, the marker that you would be drawing every night under your bed. And the first couple of ones are like, what do you desire? Do you desire more sleep or do you desire less work? And then it goes stuff to like, do you desire chaos or blood or uh, no more injuries or no more deaths? And then one, I think it was day seven, it was just like, what do you desire? But then it, it has caveats. So what do you desire? You have to tick all the options. And it just said, murder, 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 murder. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and in, and uh, you can tell it is a very intense Mm. horror uh, there's very many trigger warnings for it but it's quite f i like those games where i play them by myself and have to because you, know, you could journal it by yourself and you don't have to record it but i quite like recording it because it's the reactions i have to it reading it aloud and going right i've now got to make the des this decision mm. i don't know what's going to happen and another game i did do with that it was a game called the beast which i think other people have definitely heard about if they've not played it which is a essentially a solo uh erotic rpg for one which i, <laughs> I fair enough let, let me sell it to you first before you judge no no so, I'm, I'm sold, <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> very good um so the idea is that uh, over 21 days you are doing a journal again but the sort of prompt the sort of main thing is that you are having sex with the beast which is some sort of alien inhuman creature and on day one you fill out a questionnaire about what the beast is so does it have tentacles does it have this and it's like a multiple choice option what does it smell like what is its mm. texture what frightens you about it what excites you about it and then each day you get a prompt about what happens so i had prompts uh, again spoilers like uh someone discovers your secret what do you do all that sort of thing because that's the thing it is it's almost like shameful that you have this thing going on and at the end after 21 days there's a choice you have to make and it's very surprising i think some people wouldn't expect it perhaps but the way you obviously you have to look back for your journal and like discuss how you are feeling and stuff and you've made you know it's all in your own head but it, you've made a version of yourself that maybe you wouldn't be happy with and mm. for me, when I was recording it, it was, I came up with this sort of relationship with a creature. And at the end, I was, I was like, if I heard someone who was in this sort of relationship who said the this person did X, Y, Z, I'd be like, why aren't you leaving them? This person is abusive. There's so many red flags. But I was like, but this person is currently me. And it was just a very interesting way of developing a story that was my own narrative in my own head. Mm. And at the end of the game, you're supposed to burn your diary or bury it somewhere. And I apparently, because I, I talked to the game designer, Alexandra Sontoska, and she said, she listened to it. I recorded it for the podcast. She went, well, you hacked my game completely. I enjoyed it, but you, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> which, I thought, <laughs> which I thought was funny. So the idea of having it, its personal and private experience, mm. but then putting it out there for others to listen to. So I, I also... In answer to your question, I quite like games which are very, very silly and fun to run and encourage me. So like stuff like Crash Pandas, I've done ones like um, Little Helpers, which is another Grant Howitt one, which is about uh, a witch who's summoned a demon who's really, really evil, but the witch is really nice. And they have to help with little tasks around the house. So like getting a date for the Harvest Festival mm. and everything they do is slightly evil. So the, the world gets a little bit worse. That was quite fun. Um, so I like fun little games like that. But I also like playing in the solo RPGs and then putting out. It's almost like a, a, a stage play as well, almost a, 
mm. uh, like a reflective piece, which maybe shows how egotistical I am, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> I, I understand that, you know, I, I do several podcasts just to, just to talk. So I think egos are more than welcome. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, movies. Mm-hmm. The idea being we are you are planning a triple feature, a three bill of an evening, three movies together across a theme. So it's your call. Do you want to talk about the theme first or want to talk about the, talk about the three films, talk about the theme at the end? Uh, well, let's talk about the theme first, I think. That'll be, that'll be good, yeah. So, Fiona. What is your theme? So the theme is, and I maybe you've got it from the way I've been sort of talking at various lengths and off on tangents, but the theme is coming of age films of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose this is that a lot of the times during the last decade in general, but in general, there's always, you see it and it's like, oh, a new coming of age film that changes everything. And then you go and watch it and you're like, eh, it doesn't respond to me or it doesn't like reflect what I feel a coming of age film is. Or you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not, I'm not the demographic, it's someone else. And these three films I've picked, I've responded to in some way, and I've gone, wow, that's such a it's they've stood out for me as sort of coming of age films. Excellent. Excellent. It's a big fan of sort of coming of age high school movies. Um so this is the this is right in my wheelhouse of movies that I love. So first pick. Cool. So the first pick, um again, I don't know if this is an underrated or little known film. I couldn't find like much on it, but I remember watching it and thankfully was able to rewatch it again. But The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is uh, from 2015. My name is Minnie Getz. I'm recording this onto a cassette tape because my life has gotten really crazy of late. I had sex today. I'm so happy. <laughs> if you're listening to this without my permission, please stop now. Just stop. I'm gonna kill you! This makes me officially an adult. Do I look different than I did yesterday? Hey. Hey. It feels so good to imagine that he might be thinking about me. I wonder if anybody loves me who I don't know about. There's a monstery. I get distracted sometimes. Overwhelmed by my all-consuming thoughts about sex and men. I don't know what's wrong with you. I think you'd be more into boys. What are you waiting for? You have a kind of power, you know, you just you don't know it yet. I got a girl, she's sweet as can be. All the other boys wanna be like me and oh is a life. I refuse to be some sniveling crybaby. This is my life. Is a life sweet? I don't wanna brag, but it was quite a piece when I was your age. Run to the mountains, we can sail. I know nothing's changed, but everything looks totally different to me now. true when I wake up and I see you next to me. It comes true when I wake up and I see you next to me. This is for all the girls when they have grown. Yes, so this is American sort of comedy drama, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Mario Heller, um, mm-hmm. starring Belle Powley. Mm, yeah, Belle Powley, like... Again, it's one of those faces I was like, I've seen her on some CBBC drama. Mm. Um, and it was, I think it was like uh, MI High or something like that. I, I recognize her face. But this was like an incredible film for her to be cast in. Like when it's, I'll, I'll quickly, like, I think we're both on the same Wikipedia page. So it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but it stars her as a 15 year old girl who becomes sort of sexually ad- active 
and starts having a relationship with her mother's boyfriend. And it's that sort of, it looks at that dynamic about uh, like someone's first love mm. with someone who is not appropriate and the sort of tensions it has on the family and how she reacts to it in school and then how she gets out of school and all, all that sort of jumble of feelings when you're sort of 15, 16. Yeah, I knew her from, she was in, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but there's a movie about like the, it's after the war, the two princesses from the royal family go out on like an all night adventure. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Googling friendly. It was, uh, what was that called? A royal night out. And she was Princess Margaret. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but I knew her from that. Oh, um, right. Bizarrely, it was one of the films I caught back in 2015 <laughs> um, before I had a daughter and could actually watch films and had time to see random things. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other. That's a whole different thing. podcast. <laughs> a whole different podcast. Yeah. I mean, so this one, I really enjoyed this one because I think for, you know, I'm, I'm going to sort of just, uh, I am a straight white middle-class cisgender bloke and so almost all of my life media has pandered to me Mm -hmm. i have been the core demographic of everything that's ever been made and i really enjoyed we'll get more into this as we do the other movies that we're covering here but i've really enjoyed seeing these movies that very much are not pandering to me they aren't about my experience they aren't about what i went through as a teenager or what i might have gone through or my memories and dreams of it it's been entirely different experience Mm -hmm. I think there's some commonality in there, as you say, about that kind of coming ageness and that first love that's highly inappropriate that we all got. So, I mean, I really, really enjoyed this film particularly because it was so out there compared to a lot of other media out there, especially how it portrays female sexuality in those teenage years. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I, this was the second time I'd watched it. And I remember being really affected by it the first time going, like, like you said, like, wow, this is so different to anything I've experienced. Mm. And then watching it the second time, knowing the story, I was like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. And I must have watched this when it first came out in 2015. And it's nice to see in the five years since I've seen it, going, this is not okay. And like just realising that I've changed enough in this film. But also Mm. what I liked about it as well, so there's a main sort of theme throughout it where uh, Minnie, she's called the lead character, she wants to be a cartoonist, she wants to be a drawer, and all these drawings she does... Uh, like very, they're not very stereotypical, like pretty girl drawings, like big eye hearts or anything like. That. They're very sort of raw and they're very sort of personal, mm. and then obviously it invokes a certain style. Again, I'm sure people will know what the style is. I I'm not very good at all these sort of technical terms, but I find it interesting how it, the film started using a few of these styles throughout to sort of indicate changes. You know, sort of like certain effects, like you know, um, the idea of like uh, I think early on it's like how like uh, her mother gave birth and all these pictures changing and they sort of impose mm. on real life. But it's, it's in a way that is not Disney-fied, I guess. It's not pretty and not usual, but it feels sort of very uh, evocative of the 1970s because that's when this, this is uh, set as well. And the other thing I really mm. liked about it, again, maybe more so now than I did back then, but the idea of using audio to record your thoughts and to record a diary, because that's what she does. Mm. And it's all on tape. And it's one of those things where you think, oh, God, at any moment, spoiler, someone could listen to it. And it does. And it has such a horrible, like, impact. And it's so intense. And it's that sort of rawness. It's like, well, you've recorded it in some way. But, again, it's that sort of thing where if you record it in a paper diary and someone read that, is that the same impact as someone, you know, your your own voice being recorded in the space or an Instagram post or a video posted up to YouTube? And it's – I just – I don't know. There's just something about it that just really 
uh, I just felt a connection to that sort of idea of recording something mm. um, like personal and then almost not even on a public platform, but it, leaving it in a place where anyone could sort of listen to it. Yeah. I, as soon as she was recording them, I had this weird sense of like dread in my heart mm. and somehow, and I said, you're right. I don't know. I couldn't say why, but it felt more, more risky than just a diary. Mm-hmm. And I can't really tell you why, because obviously someone could just glance at a diary without going to sit and listen to rambling tapes. But it really felt like, as soon as she started doing it, I'm like, someone's going to hear that. Someone's going to hear that. It's that kind of Chekhov's gun style of like, yes. you're doing that, and it's going to come back at the end somehow. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's I guess, maybe it's because you can hear it's her voice. Like a diary, mm. you'd be like, I maybe you wouldn't, you could, well, it's in her handwriting. Is this what she really thinks? But when it's her voice, and she's talking about how she wants to have sex and wants to marry her mother's boyfriend and how she is discovering herself sexually and, and how she's not sure about X, Y, Z. And then again, spoiler, you, she comes back in sort of the end third of the film and sees her mother has listened to all of these tapes. And mm. there's obviously she's, it's, it's a very quick scene. Again, what's great about this film is that there's lots of quick edits and you don't last on them for long, but you can tell like this mother who's lived the sort of, a very sort of carefree sort of life is, you know, is, is doing drugs, gets fired from her job, et cetera. She, she's, you know, it clearly doesn't care, but she doesn't know what her daughter is doing. And then discovering this uh, tryst between her, her boyfriend who again, should know better, um, mm. who, who is not a nice guy uh, no. and who does uh, it, to an extent take advantage of her 15 year old daughter. And you're just like, what would it be like from that perspective? You, it's just one of those things where you just can't imagine what is going on and the film just deals with it so beautifully this sort of awkward intense and uh, uncomfortable feeling throughout the sort of last third of the film i think that's one of the things that i i liked about it is that it didn't not that it didn't glamorize life's the the, the thing she was choosing to do i don't think glamorization is the right is the right word mm. but it didn't it didn't add a glossy sheen of it no. and i think about um the american pie movies which are often at the sort of the one of the big pillars of the sort of American coming of age sex drama comedies in those sex is much more traditional porn sex, I suppose in many ways Mm -hmm. it's shiny. It's free from pain and consequence, that kind of stuff. And this, it felt real. It felt like, it felt like teenage early romances do in being awkward and slightly unsure of yourself. And, not the kind of confident, cocky thing that a lot of sort of media portrays these things to be. Yeah, definitely. Like some rose-tinted glasses about mm. the whole thing. And this, uh, and Minnie, uh, the lead uh, actress, the like, uh, lead character, talking about Monroe and how everything's going to be great. And then it gets to the, the final third, and her mother is like, well, you're clearly going to have to marry him now. And by that mm. point, she's gone, but I don't love him. I, mm. I'll be honest. And Monroe has fallen in love with her. And it's just turned on its head when she's like, she has now changed who she was. She's outgrown him. And she's realized, like, again, there's a scene early on where her and her best friend are Monroe, it's alluded to that they had a threesome. And she's mm. like, I don't know if I, I'm okay with that. I don't know why we did that. And I do I love him? I don't know. I think I do. And it's, yeah, it's that horrible mess of human emotions where, like, again, like sex, drugs, alcohol, all come in and break down the barriers, and people aren't sure of what they want anymore if they can make those decisions. And it's especially if you're if you're a fifteen year old. I'm like, God, I. It's one of those things I always say to people is like, if I was the same person I was ten years ago, 
I would have no friends. <laughs> I would not be here. I would, I, it, cause I was just an awful person. And I don't know, mm. and it's not necessarily because I was selfish or I was rude or I was, I was less intelligent about certain subjects. I just think I was just intolerable and I wouldn't fit in with this society. And that's why I feel watching this film, I was uncomfortable because I felt like obviously if I was born then I would probably have the same, I, maybe I would be exactly like Belle. Maybe I'd be like, mm. this is okay. I'm fine. Whereas now, like obviously almost 50 years later, really from the time period, it's a completely different world. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's very interesting. The one thing I thought with this film is that it doesn't do, it doesn't do anything to kind of demonize her choices. No. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 odd now and I've got a young daughter and I'm trying to raise her in a, a smart clever way. And so you kind of feel like a lot of society would, would judge Minnie for her choices mm-hmm. and a lot of movies certainly in culture we have would judge her for that kind of the choice she'd make but this film doesn't in any way and it, it shows the consequences certainly the, it isn't free from consequence mm-hmm. but it doesn't judge her in the kind of person she is for doing these things no and, and i think that was really refreshing and really kind of a powerful thing within the film yeah and uh, when we think about it so obviously the main sort of storyline for Anna is obviously that she having this very inappropriate relationship with her boyfriend uh, with her mother's boyfriend but there's also scenes where she, there's a scene with um a boy from school that she sleeps with and then he finds her too sexually intimidating because she wants that gratification that sort of thing and he's yeah. like i don't like that and then suddenly she gets self-conscious about it because well why why does no one like that and again that's another thing where the female orgasm doesn't get talked about a lot in general it is just sort of like yeah. and, and is it something that we should talk about more possibly but it's that it's that sort of thing where in this it's not demonized and the, the boy's like you you are too sexually scary for me and she's like oh what i don't understand like isn't everyone like mm. this and it's that sort of naivety of it and like learning about it and then realizing by the end like it's okay to be yourself and to accept what you want and fight for mm. it to an extent. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, it's only because we, we've covered it recently on the show is that with, uh, with like American Pie, I think if you remember American Pie 2, American Pie 2, I think one, one of them that has a whole subplot about one of the characters having to be taught that giving your girlfriend an orgasm is an important thing. Oh, wow. I've, no, I've actually never, I've, I'm one of those people who I, I, I've seen bits of American Pie, but I've never really sort of, kept things with all the things that's amazing though i think yeah one one of the four characters he's he has a long-term girlfriend and he's like i want you know she always helps she always uh you know goes down on me i want to sort of help her enjoy it as well and it's like his older brother has to kind of go well here's some advice here's some things to do it's like that fact that it was a plot line that he had to be taught that is Mm. terrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but that is you know that's a lot of what the culture sort of puts out there Mm. Start wishing to dwell too long on the first film. Second film, where are we going to next? Second film, okay, let me get get the notes out. So the second film I chose uh, is 2017, and it is Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York. World did I race or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, no, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> 
Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. She was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can, your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision at 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. Forgive me, again, all the Irish speakers will, f will really hate me for trying to attempt this, but I'm, you know, I feel like I should. It's Sarah... Inertia, so it's Sersha. Sersha Ronan is the lead actress in this. And mm -hmm. it is, yeah, 2017 American independent comedy drama uh, written and directed by Gracia, uh, Greta Gerwig. And mm -hmm. it's about, um, again, very similar, sort of a, a girl going through sort of her final year at sort of high school. But it, instead of focusing, it focuses a little bit on her sort of sex life and her sexual encounters, but it also focuses on the strained relationship with her mother. Mm -hmm. so why did this one make the cut so again so this is something i'll have to admit i've only seen it yesterday <laughs> okay the reason i chose it though was i remember seeing the trailer and being sort of almost enamored by uh the lead actress whose name i will not pronounce again because so I, I don't <laughs> want to embarrass myself and frankly she's an incredible she's in quite a few things she's uh the lead actress in mary queen of scots as well alongside mm -hmm. Oh, she plays Harley Quinn. Oh, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. But she, her range is so good. And I remember watching this film, uh, watching the trailer for this film. And there's a scene, it's in the trailer, it's not a spoiler per se, where she's arguing with her mother about something. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things, it's a typical trivial argument. And the way she sort of gets out of it is that she opens the door of a moving car and jumps out. And then it just cuts to all these sort of scenes in school where she you know, has a break around and you get to discover this character of a girl who doesn't realise the stuff she has or doesn't realise the situations she's in. The context is that she's from a very poor family, but is going to a school where uh, there's some richer kids. It's, uh, sorry, 
It's set in Sacramento. And so there's definitely a, a split between sort of the richer kids and the poorer kids. But she acts like a richer kid and she doesn't have mm-hmm. uh, the same caveats. And she just does things and she sort of manages to glide into these social circles. But then as a result, as a result, she sort of leaves her family behind or lies about them. And then when she gets caught, it is quite tense and upsetting, certainly for her mother, who is putting extra shifts in at the psych hospital, is making is trying to make all this money. And the sort of biggest strain of it is about where is she going for college? Now, typically, uh, the, sorry, the main point is that she calls herself Ladybird. And there's a great bit where she's talking in the theatre. She's in a musical and they're like, uh, use my name, it's Ladybird. Like, why, why is it in quotation marks? It is a, I've given it to myself. I've given it to me. This is my name. You know, and mm. it makes a big song and dance about it. And that, that for me, because that's in the trailer as well. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that was me when I was 15. I was like, I, I gave it to myself. I, I am a drama person. And that's what it comes across. Her sort of like overdramatic and, oh, my life's awful. And, oh, you don't understand. No one can understand me. You don't understand me, mum. And then she does all these things. And her mum like, is frustrated and tired. And then right at the end, there is almost it's a little bit of a conciliation, but not so much. But so I, it's one of those films where I definitely have been the previous person, where I've been the sort of overdramatic teenager. No one mm. understands me, and oh, I hate you. Everything's awful. And now I see the other side of it, not necessarily being a mother, but going, oh god, I was that person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's frustrating. You you can't see beyond your own sort of uh, lens. I guess. Yeah, I think that's an interesting interesting point. Is that obviously we are you and I aren't high school kids anymore mm-hmm. um and so we are watching these films with sort of a distance i suppose as being more adult now than obviously the characters in it mm-hmm. um and it is you can't as you say you can't look at some of the early stuff and you just you can't not roll your eyes but you see yourself in these sort of decisions but you also see where you aren't there now mm-hmm. I, the one thing i really liked with this and it, i put it's the through line that i've seen in the other two films is this idea of becoming who you are married closely with accepting who you are mm. and this one particularly uh, with the ending where like, she i mean spoilers guys she she goes to new york and she gets into a college and she starts to use her own name again her, her real name her actual given name but she's gone through a big transformation to get there and then when she's got there it's about accepting that as well and i think we saw that a bit in diary of a teenage girl mm-hmm. towards the end she accepts who she is and what she wants and but she has gone through the journey of getting there. So there's this sort of, not, not a dichotomy, I suppose, but a balance to be struck with these kind of high school films of going through a coming of age to, 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 to go through the rituals of this, to become the person you're going to be and accepting what you're taking from your past with you. And that just because it's from your past, isn't all bad. You can take what you want and build something new. Yeah, definitely. And I think again, to compare it to the last film, a, t- a diary of a teenage girl. So the relationship between the the mother and the the daughter there, there's mm. like the it's very different. So the mother there, like I said, she's uh, gets fired from her job. She's out with her friends most of the time. She she drinks, but she clearly loves her two daughters. Compared to Ladybird, where her mother is working in the psych hospital, she's juggling all these jobs. Her brother and his girlfriend are currently staying in. Uh, their family home because um, she got kicked out and the mother's trying to like look after everything and Ladybird because she's acting out it's almost tough love and is trying hard and there's a, a great scene 
And I, I think we've all been there where they're in and they're trying on dresses for prom. And Ladybird comes out in a, frankly, a gorgeous pink red dress. And like she said, mm. you know, she's, previous dresses have been, I'm too fat in this. I'm too this. And they're, they're clearly, you know, trying to get on. And the mum just, do you not think it's a bit too pink? And the girl, uh, the, um, Ladybird goes, oh, and then goes back and she goes, oh no, I didn't see you had to. And she went, no, no, no. You've, you know, and then mm. there's this bit where she goes, no. And then you do you like me? And the mother goes, well, I love you. And she went, but do you like me? And that bit was so powerful for me because that's the thing is that naturally, um, well, not naturally, but there's been a lot of stuff in the last couple of years about women coming forward saying, I absolutely love my children. I really do. But I regret having them because mm. of the impact they've had on I've not been able to go for a career. I've not been able to do this. And there's been a real mixed response about shaming people who like, how dare you? hate your kids and it's like well that's not true they still obviously love that experience they treasure it but that means they had to give up something else and that's what i felt in that scene was that of course she loves ladybird but do you like her well Mm -hmm. i i wouldn't (laughs) she's been a complete (laughs) bitch to the mum. but like there's that moment you're just like you find her so frustrating but Mm -hmm. she's clearly it's at a moment where she is very vulnerable it's just like do you like me and you can tell she's got self-doubt she's low confidence and you're like I do, but it's like, is helping, is telling the truth going to help you get better? Yeah. Mm. So that that's, it was really a powerful moment. And then I skipped to the end of the film where, so the big, the big reveal is that, so she wants to go to these big colleges in New York, which they can't afford. So her father and Ladybird go behind the mother's back and create these financial aid forms and they try and get the aid for it and they succeed. And, her mother is furious because like she said no we can't afford it we can't do this anyway and she, uh so upset that ladybird went behind her back and then you can see scenes of her writing these letters over and over again and she screws them up throws them away and her dad gets the letters smooths them out and then puts them in ladybird's suitcase for her to read and when she reads them she calls up her dad and says, why did you do this and, oh i want you to know that she does care she just can't find the right words and she struggles and she's worried that you'll think less of her and oh my God, I was crying by that point because mm. we've all been there when you're trying to say something and the wrong words come out. And it was just such a beautiful, simple gesture. And having, and I think that's the thing compared to the last film where the father figure of that film sort of non-existent is very sort of up him, help himself and is like very dismissive about um, mm. uh, Minnie's life and, and his, the mother's life and uh, Monroe and all that sort of thing compared to this one who is you know it is a, a family unit still together but he's depressed he loses his job and then he helps his son get the job that they were competing for and then does this and he's like, you think god he's had so much thrown at him but he still loves his daughter and he still loves his wife and he's trying to make that connection and it was just oh it was just beautiful no i mean i, I know exactly what you're saying there as i, I mentioned earlier we've got a a young daughter and she's three and the threes are renowned for their tantrums. And I, I love my daughter with the very core of my being, but at times she can be really hard work and really challenging. <laughs> and she's just three and acting out. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when she's 16 and acting out. Oh, scary. Um, so no, I, I completely agree. And there is certainly, I mean, I think it's a lot easier as a man, the situations to have negative feelings because there's less of pressure to inherently be, maternal there is softly but uh, that, that kind of pressure that certainly women seem to face when raising kids mm. to be perfect all the time 
but it's certainly there. It's certainly that kind of like you can't say bad things about your kids. Mm-hmm. You can't ever have negative emotions. It's certainly part of the culture to push that upon people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So to round out our trilogy, our triple bill, mm-hmm. what's our last film? So compared to the last two, which uh, like comedy drama, but definitely airing on the drama emotional mm. side, I've gone for Booksmart, which is 2019. Good morning, winner. Take a deep breath. Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Hey. Oh shit. Woo. Are we gonna go to school or? Nope. What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last day of school? Are you kidding me, Samantha? Go talk to her. She's got a really cute smile. Amy, do you know how many girls are going to be up your vagina next year? Every time I come to visit you, you're going to be scissoring a different girl. Dude, scissoring is not a thing. Don't knock it until you try it. Don't knock it until you tried it. It's the last day. We got you through high school. I need to go over the end of the year budget numbers. Can we just graduate, head off to college? That should do it, right? We will persist. I can't hear you. I can't soundproof glass. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. Hand sanitizer. Check. Chapstick. Check. Mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Oh! Well, this seems excessive. Shotgun. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't have one. Don't say we're having a date night. Why? It's funny your parents think we're boning. What you two have is special. Mm-hmm. We are going to show each other how much we care about each other. We'll probably just do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. It's directed by Olivia Wilde, who you may know her from like House or In Time with Justin Timberlake. Uh, you know, random film there, but that is also a good film. Um, but it's- I've just remembered that film. It's, I've forgotten entirely about that movie. Well, in, in Time, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's come back to me. Well, there you go. It's another podcast. Uh, that's her feature debut as a director, which I think is really, really exciting. And it stars uh, Beanie uh, Feldstein, who was in... Ladybird as sort of the, mm. the best mate, which I again I didn't realise till I watched it yesterday. I was like, oh whoops, never mind. Um so weird coincidence that one. Yeah, weird coincidence. And uh Caitlin Dev uh Yeah, Devon, I think. And it's about two girls who are graduating high school and they are the top of their class, they're Valley Victorian and they're super, super smart. But then they discover that even though they go into the colleges they want to, everyone else also go into really good schools and really good colleges. And they were partying. They did, you know, really bad grades and stuff. And they're like, "Oh my goodness, we've we've missed out. We didn't party. We didn't take drugs. We didn't do anything." So they're then trying to have this last night before graduating, 
They're going to try and like crash the best party ever. And it's about their escapades and their journeys and through sort of discovering about themselves throughout this night. This in many ways is the more, but the most traditional of the three in terms of mm-hmm. that kind of high school hijinks. You know, there's clear sort of lines from things like Superbad, uh, Project X, and that kind of movie that we've seen repeated over time. You know, the kind of, that one big night, adventure of one evening mm-hmm. told together. So, but this was certainly, this is probably my favourite of the three. Agreed. Um, it's, I think mean, the two leads are just brilliant. Just so well written and so fully sculpted in many ways um and it's just it's just genuinely hilarious throughout but also really like genuinely heartwarming yeah genuinely it's i, I was saying to saying to my uh, my friend i was like it's a film that honestly believes in people mm-hmm. that everyone is deep down even there aren't really any bad guys in the movie even sort of the the nasty kids you see early on are proved to be just kind of nice people, really. Everyone's kind of nice. And I just kind of like that. In a film, in so many of these days, we have to deal, as we discussed earlier, with the grim dark, with the uh, sort of the fascination with, with the darker side of humanity. Mm. It's a lot of different movies going like, yes, like bad things can happen, but people are generally nice and people genuinely care. Yeah. And like, like going back to what you're saying about the comedy stuff, there's that bit at the minute, there's that bit at the beginning where. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a it's Molly or Amy. I think it's Molly who starts off the day by sort of meditating. And it's that she's got pictures of like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like mm. always means that you will look down from this mountain and you will you know, kick ass. And, and it's a voice sort of like instantly you're like, okay, this is going to be a person who's very feminist. So there's a believe in themselves and, and they're very super confident. And compared to normal coming of age films where like the person who is a valedictorian is like oh, a bit of a geek whatever they are so confident in their own like mm. we've done this and we're great and it's just the two of them uh, as best friends and obviously they're they're sort of give and take and again what is also quite nice is there's um lgbq element as well um is mm. on, i have to double check this yeah it's amy so amy has a crush on a girl called ryan and it's so funny because it's it's like it's just dropped in uh, naturally. And Molly's like, you should just go ask her. You should just go. And nobody questions it. Nobody goes, oh, that's weird because mm. it's not. And it's it just felt so current and fresh. And I remember because I watched this on the plane back from America. I was recently over there for Thanksgiving, and I was like, oh, I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, it looks so different. And I wasn't disappointed. Like you said, it was like one of the films where I feel it was original. Um, the two leads so good bumping off each mm. other and like going back sorry going back to the fully realized there's a bit where they sort of come out and they're checking their outfits and they both look ridiculous but they're like wow you look so good no no you look so good and it's building up and it's, it's to the point where it's ridiculous but it's funny because it's something you would do with your friends and like sort of mm. playing off each other and it's so nice to see it with two women doing it and they're not like Mm, your outfit doesn't look great and just you change it or we're wearing the same thing yeah and that was so nice to see and the the conflict that comes between them only happens right at the party and it's because there's a miscommunication and Mm. it is oh it's so heartbreaking and then the next day they both realize that all something happens and i i'm so sorry you know and it's like we'll we'll get you out together and having that code word as well of uh, malala (laughs) <laughs> that made me laugh so much because again it's again feels it, you know it will age i get that but it was just like that is a really cute thing to do and it just shows that they're both on the same level they're both fully realized 
and it's maybe it's something to aim for i don't know like you can be smart but you can be funny and you can have you can have all these things and you don't have to like do yourself down or be negative i guess i I know you say i think it was the thing i loved is i mean I think it's a surprise to no one that I'm quite a nerd myself and always have Wait, been. <laughs> yeah, um, shockingly. Um, here I am talking about movies and RPGs for an <laughs> But it's, this film didn't, like they are clearly, that they're smart kids in the world, they've worked very hard. But once again, it never puts that down. It never kind of goes, oh, you know, you're a bunch of nerds, but you should have been partying. Like it doesn't in any way judge their choices. Yeah. And I, I realised, one thing that really just struck me just talking about now is this, the two scenes that I just really love, the three three scenes that I really love in the movie are the ones that are just slightly more unusual. So there's the sort of the dance scene <laughs> with um, uh, the uh, with Molly and what's his name? Oh, oh yeah. I'm, again, looking at Wikipedia, trust like, uh... <laughs> there's a bizarre dancing. I love that. And this underwater scene when they're swimming, going skinny pink, but also, the very obscure, very weird drugs trip they have where they start imagining themselves with yes. Barbie dolls. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> but, uh, I, watch, just, just chatting now, I suddenly thought about the, the big leak, link between that and Diary of a Teenage Girl, mm. where you've got the animations popping up and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And this, I just, I just, I'm just trying to think about the other sort of high school movies out there that do this playing with the form of movies. Mm. You know, having watched a lot of them, they it often like, they do interesting things with the story and the characters. They don't tend to do this kind of weird mixed media things that I suppose when you're producing a female-focused feminist high school movie, which is always going to be a bit outside the what Hollywood expects, you can do these interesting things. Mm-hmm. And the Barbie doll scene is one of my favourite scenes. Yeah, it- because it's so bizarre, but so right, and their reactions are so strange but just like right in the character note the, the, the correct choice for the characters but also just so weird oh it, yeah it, i completely agree i'd forgotten until you said it and i was like oh yeah that is like one of the core things about that but then the other thing as well there's a character that gets introduced for it the lady who is um like a girlfriend of the character that that someone gets with in the end but she is at every scene they're in and she's almost like mm. a almost like a spiritual guide or sort of a guru and she helps out with it Sorry, you She's a sister of the um the the sort of possible love interest. Shall we say? There you go. There you go. So yeah, po- the possible love interest of uh, one of the other characters, and she's clearly like weird. Like, but then throughout the night, she just appears in these places at the right time. They go. The spoiler is that they go to this party, or what they think is going to be the party where everyone's at, and it's a murder mystery party. And if they play roles, mm-hmm. but where is the actual party? Where is the the address? Who has it? Because we don't know anyone because we stayed in and studied all the time. We were at the library. Mm. Like, oh, well, the mayor knows who it is. And they're like, oh, God, it's that girl again. And they're like, come in. And, it, and she changes her character in every single scene. And then right at the end, she's playing the piano at the graduation. And she's like, there's so many different levels of it. But mm. it's not the typical drunk, druggy, like, one note girl she sort of helps mm. and like talks to like, it's almost like yeah shifting these sort of pieces together and like realizing that hey the person you were chasing after at this party wasn't the person you needed after all it was this mm. other person or you realize you are better than this and it's nice as well because that's i think that's the thing is there's, a, there's the love interest sort of storyline that they try and go down for uh, both characters at one point and then they kind of realize that oh they're not the right sort of person but it's okay you don't need to worry about that now 
And when they have the argument of the miscommunication, it's heartbreaking because you like you know mm-hmm. they're, they're they've got their own best interests at heart. Like they're trying to help each other, and it's it is so upsetting. And yeah, it's it just yeah, it's, it's one of those films where I was like, oh, now I need to watch it again because it's such a good film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watched it two days ago, mm-hmm. and I'm genuinely thinking tomorrow night can i just watch it again it was it was it's a film that i just think bears repeat viewing and the thing that i loved is that for, for the first you know, act for the first quarter it was very traditional high school movie you get the bullies you get the jokes you get the cool kids who aren't very smart but party a lot you get the sort of the uptight principal um and then over the mm. entire film the film breaks down all of those things to be wrong you know the the bully kids are quite nice and the girl who has a terrible sexual nickname she explains that isn't true but it is also true but that's not a bad thing and it's really we talked about them being sort of fully realized and fully sculpted characters but the film does that with all of them like even if characters like you say even with you talking earlier about your sort of the rpgs where you haven't got to have a huge backstory Mm. but you can still craft a character they do that here. These the characters are fully formed and fully crafted and complex without having to know all of their details and all of their stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, yeah, I, I think it's one of, the, again, it's one of those things. I think Booksmart, people who have heard about this, you know, they've seen the trailer and mm. stuff. And I, it, I think we're both going to say this, but like, I, out of the three of these films, highly recommend Booksmart because it's one of those ones where I came, finished it, and I was like, I am so glad I saw that. I'm so glad I didn't just. Mm. I go, oh, it's another coming of age film. Because I, I know that people get fatigued with it as well. So I was just like, I'm so glad I saw it. And it's one of those films where I guess I watched the trailer and I was like, the, for me, I'm always, I am now more hyper. I was like, oh, cool, there's two female leads about it. But in, in the mm. trailer, it didn't say anything about uh, all it obviously had said was like, oh, they're going out partying. And that was it. But it didn't say anything about any of the LGBT issues it covers or any of these. Mm. Of, uh, how you know all the characters being like flawed but in a positive way or like oh they are just human and the other thing is that it, i didn't know it was directed by like uh, an all uh, like a directed by a, f- a female director and written by an all female team like i think the only producers like i recognize and that, that again very bad that I can only recognize but like will ferrell helped produce it and you're like holy shit yeah. <laughs> what you know uh yeah uh, adam mckay and will ferrell produced it so one of the things I was reading about the movie was that uh, Olivia Wilde had a strict no arseholes policy on set. Oh, nice. But if you want to be on set, you had to play nice. And having worked on film sets in my career, like that's a huge thing because there's always arseholes on sets because it's a mm-hmm. very high energy, high pressure place. And I think that's amazing. That's probably why she got these amazing performances from kids who were clearly kind of having fun and enjoying themselves because she crafted that kind of atmosphere for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so highly recommend it for sure. I would honestly echo that. This was this was a brilliant. I'm so like it's one of those ones been sitting in my collection to watch for a long time, and I've always kind of put it off. Um, and then you suggested I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch that. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was. I'm glad. I'm glad you forced my hand in that respect. Oh, good. <laughs> so Fiona, thank you for coming on and talking movies with me. Um, if our listeners want to find you and your show, where can they do these things? You can follow What Am I Rolling on Twitter and Instagram. That's at w-a-i-r underscore podcast um you can find episodes wherever you listen to podcasts we're on apple podcasts we're on spotify podbean soundcloud if you're still on soundcloud we're also got a website it's uh w-a-i-r podcast.com 
And yeah, please have a listen. And what probably the other thing I should mention, and it probably is quite obvious from the description I gave of the podcast, but is you don't have to listen to every episode in order. You can just dip in and out and you're like, oh, this bit's on Dungeons and Dragons, I'll listen to that. Oh, this one's on uh, Crash Pandas or Honey Heist, I'll listen to that. And if you don't like that, give it two episodes and then it's another different system. Well, we will throw links to all of that in the show notes, guys. So please do go check out All About Rolling and Fiona. Thank you for coming on. Um, guys, you can find me on Twitter at underscore triple feature i kind of chat movies on there and we'll back hopefully in a few weeks time with another guest to make more movies so thanks for listening and we'll see you soon